Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Educational Podcasting Today, Episode 24. Today, we're going to be talking to the crew from the Gunna Geek Network all about podcasting, broadcasting, and then at the end of the show, we're going to get a little nerdy. We're going to be talking about things like Star Wars and Transformers. If you're into nerd and geek culture, stick around. Before we get into our episode, I want to remind you there's some great things happening these days over on TeacherCast. Talking about podcasting and blogging, we just released a great post all about editorial calendars. What is an editorial calendar? An editorial calendar is an organizational uh, application, if you will, uh, that really helps you create a lengthy um, content drip. For instance, you might say that January is going to be STEM month on your show and maybe February is podcasting month. An, organ an editorial calendar is really sitting there designed to help you get your thoughts organized and help you write the content that's going to help you and your network, whether it be a website or a podcast, grow to its fullest potential. You can go over to teachercast.net and check out our brand new episode today on editorial calendars. When you do, we have a free download for you. Check it out, a free download, a Google Sheet that has our editorial calendar. I'm actually opening our doors and letting you guys check out how we keep everything organized here on TeacherCast. So check out our brand new post on editorial calendars. I'll also have it here in our show notes under Educational Podcasting Today, episode number 24. As the year gets uh, hotter and the weather gets warmer outside, I hope you guys are having a good time. We are just around the corner from the ISTE conference out in Chicago, Illinois. I'm looking forward to seeing 20,000 of our closest friends all getting together for one amazing conference. Of course, we're going to be out there. It's going to be our sixth conference. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be working at the Microsoft booth. We're going to be working at the Wii video booth. And we're even going to be doing some work with Google out there. We're having a great time. Look for us. We're going to be podcasting. We're going to be broadcasting. And uh, I hope to see you guys. You can, of course, follow us over on TeacherCast to keep the latest and greatest. And we're going to be using our hashtag ISTE2018. Check it out. The ISTE conference is going to be coming up. For more information on what we've been doing at the ISTE conference, you can go to teachercast.net slash ISTE. That's teachercast.net slash I-S-T-E. Now, I want to get into our main interview today with the guys from the Gunna Geek Network. I've been listening to this show for a while now. They are two guys that have an amazing network. If you're out there looking for anything in pop culture, from, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to podcasting to you name it, they've got a lot of great stuff over there. You can check them out over at GunnaGeek.com. I want to bring on SP, Stargate Pioneer, and Stephen Jondrew. Stephen, welcome to the show. How are you today? Well, thank you for having us on. Uh, it's doing, I'm doing great today, especially because I'm on here. It's so nice to meet you guys. Uh, Steven, Stargate, tell us a little bit about, the, about your show and tell us a little bit about the Ghana Geek Network. Which show? I mean, <laughs> I, we do so, I do so yeah, many, actually. Stuff over there, right? Yeah, right, right. So the main show that we do that probably is appropriate for here is Better Podcasting, which is a podcast for the hobby podcaster. We try to teach people how to do things right with the minimal gear setup, that sort of thing. Uh, we don't necessarily touch on monetizing because we're just in it to have fun. And so if you are just getting into podcasting, you're thinking about doing it, Better Podcasting is definitely a great place to start. The first six episodes we did for people that are looking to start a podcast, no matter what kind of podcast you're doing. So go ahead and check those out. So that's pretty good. We also do a weekly podcast on uh, general tech 
geeky stuff. I do space news on that. And Steven produces that. Actually, Steven produces both of them. And that's called Gonna Geek or the Gonna Geek Show. What are we calling it these days, Steven? Uh, we're calling it the Gonna Geek Show starring Steven John Drew with some guests. No, it's just the, the Gonna Geek.com show. That's all it's called. It's a really long hashtag there. <laughs> And I also do a couple of shows, one on the Marvel side of things and one on the DC side of things. The Marvel side of things is called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., predominantly on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we do everything. We just do a great show on the Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool, too. We did both of those. And then over on the DC side of the things, it's called Starling Tribune. It's predominantly on the DC TV show Arrow, which I'm guessing is heading into its last season, but yeah. we'll see about that. But we do review some of those great award-winning dceu movies too and of course we're going to be talking all things geek all things movies we've got some great topics coming up stick around for the show of course there's great ways that you can reach out and connect to the show if you're interested in learning more about podcasting or creating your own podcast you can go over to educationalpodcasting.today where we have hundreds of blog posts and podcasts all on the topic great screencasts we just released a three-part video series on how to do wirecasts so if anybody out there is looking for information on how you do broadcasting live video check that stuff out over at educationalpodcasting.today today now before we get to the, some of the, the the geekier things here a couple of questions came up i was at a conference yesterday and i did a two-hour educational podcasting workshop where we had people in the audience i keep saying in the audience but in the class that were podcasters teachers looking to podcast interested in learning statistics about podcast and we were trying to actually wrestle with this question and i always like bringing it up to at the beginning of these shows what is the definition of a podcast? If you actually were looking at somebody that, that's never actually heard of the medium, how do you guys define the term podcast? A miserable little pile of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so I always pitch it to people as radio through the internet. Uh, it, it's sort of the loose term from a technical perspective. I think there's some other side of things that differentiate podcasting. Like you got to get it through an RSS feed, uh, technically speaking, but for a consumer, I, I would just say that it's, it's in, it's radio through the internet. That's downloaded, of course, to your device. And, and what do you think Stargate? Yeah. So the RSS is probably the key factor in what is it called for a podcast because you're talking about time delayed content it's content that's available anytime it's like on demand radio almost and rss stands for rich site summary a lot of people call it the really simple syndication a lot of people use rss feed to get their news every day on their website through feedly or whatever your rss reader is but a podcast catcher is delivered through an rss feed and I would think that that would be the determining factor between like a YouTube channel or just an audio file put on the internet versus a podcast. So that's really what a podcast is, is an audio. It could be video, but it's predominantly audio file that's distributed through an RSS feed. And that generally is the definition that we talk about when it comes. And I, I always, when I do these workshops, I always break it down between educational podcasting and professional podcasting, meaning in the classroom, out of the classroom. And I always say when we're talking about, you know, professional style podcasting, you're right. RSS feed, audio file, sometimes video, but not always. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the flip side, classroom teachers, when they say the word podcast, really just mean I want to learn how to use audio. I want to learn how to make a video with my kids. And that could be anything from screencasting to taking out your phone and making a video and popping it up somewhere or 
anything like that. There's a lot of different variations on this. So we're going to talk today a little bit about podcasting from both of those worlds. If you have your own show, we're going to talk about equipment. If you're in the classroom, we're going to talk a little bit about equipment that you can use maybe that isn't so pricey. So we're going to kind of jump all over the place here. But I think the first question that people usually ask is, and I'm going to ask Stargate this question here because I think you've got a good answer. Should I create a podcast? <laughs> Should you? Well, uh, SP's golden rule of hobby podcasting number two is don't do more than two shows a week. So just keep that in mind. But should you create a podcast? Absolutely. You should create a podcast to, if you're passionate about something, that's when you need to uh, create a podcast because you have something to share with the rest of the world. Even though if there's dozens of other podcasts in your niche talking about the same topic, I guarantee you, you will come at it from your own point of view and there will be people that will relate to you i was just looking at a bunch of star wars podcasts because i was like I, I do listen to one particular star wars podcast on a continual basis and i will continue doing that but i'm like you know i, I would like to look at some more and i listened to like six mm -hmm. i'm like i cannot get into any of these yet and i know i'll find another one because there's hundreds of star wars podcasts out there but I haven't found one yet that I want to listen to on a weekly basis in addition to the one I already do. So that is your cue to start your podcast because yeah. there will be people that relate specifically to you. And if it's a topic that you have a passion about, then that is what you should start your podcast on. And that is really, Stephen, right? The first thing that we always talk about podcasting, make sure you have a topic, make sure you know what your content's going to be, right? Absolutely. And the reason why we always say that passion should inspire your topic is because of the fact that you are not just generally talking about this thing once and then you're you're getting over it and moving on. Generally, there's a, a theme to your podcast and there should be a genre, which means you have to be able to create content on a, a per episode basis. So it's got to be something that you're passionate enough that you don't get bored in three weeks time. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, teacher cast has grown from one single show to now we've got like nine feeds on iTunes and we've got shows for podcasting and we've got shows for technology coaches and for, for ed tech people. And, 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 you know, you bring up a, a good topic here, which is, is there an unofficial rule that says after X number of new podcasts that you decide to create, when do you actually have to ask your spouse's permission to create that next show? <laughs> i say from the beginning from personally the beginning. Yeah. no i just say wait till the, your spouse goes to bed and just do it so. So, so i shouldn't tell my wife that i'm up to nine different feeds on itunes or anything like that <laughs> it depends okay. it depends on if they can pay for themselves i mean you know it's interesting you mentioned the spouse support thing that's actually something that sp and i have talked about we both have very supportive spouses and and we think that it's important to have supportive just family around you uh it depends on your situation sometimes it's just a spouse sometimes you might have kids and and i think that that's a very important aspect of podcasting because it, it takes time even if you just have one show to record it to edit it to put it out there especially when you're starting off it takes off time so you got to have that support around you uh if you are maybe you're just by yourself it's a lot easier but definitely uh support a family makes a big difference I, I I love doing these shows now. My kids are now four and a half years old. I, by the way, I have four and a half year old triplets and, and they love coming into the studio now, putting on the earphones and saying, daddy, can I do cheese? And what that means is she wants to talk on the microphone and, and smile at herself in the camera here. And it's so awesome, right? So it, it is, it's, you know, you're bringing up 
it, it's for me, it's like a family bonding thing, like working with the kids. They see daddy in the studio. They do these things. I have my other kid. He comes in and goes, daddy, can I do testing? Because as they're sleeping, that's all they hear me say is testing one, two, three as I'm starting things out. So anybody that's starting off their show, as you said, have that content, right? Now, we're going to talk a little bit about organizing content and stuff as we go through here. But the question always comes up is, well, how much equipment do I need? I'm of the belief that if you're starting out basic microphone, 50 bucks, you don't need to have a studio full of stuff. And especially if you're a classroom teacher, like, you know, I usually recommend a snowball mic or something like that, you know, 60 bucks, something like that just for your class. But um, what are your guys' thoughts on equipment? And maybe if you guys can throw a recommendation out there. Well, I'll start off and say that I think that if someone's thinking about getting into a podcast with uh, with a group of other people, I actually think you should wait buying equipment. I think what you should do is like in a teacher scenario, you should go and you should get a bunch of the people who are interested together and take your phone, throw it in the middle of your of your circle if you have these people and do a mock podcast. It's never going to ever be released, but at least you can listen back to that and go, is this interesting to somebody who's not involved with this conversation? Because you might just go get all these people together, think we're going to have the best podcast ever. And you go and you do a mock session, you listen back and you say, that would not be interesting at all to anybody that's not sitting in this room right now. So before you even invest in the equipment, give it just a try, go through a a dry run and, and see, is this something that I want to invest money in? If you say yes, then uh, for most people, our go-to recommendation is the audio technica, AT2005 microphone or the Audio-Technica ATR2100. They're both very similar microphones um, and uh, they're, they're pretty affordable. And I completely echo that one. I'm sitting here on this. I've got four of them. It's my travel mic. It's what I use. They're, they're nice because they are USB. I think you can plug them into an iPad if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. If you've got the connection in there. I've actually, I travel with an AT2005 and uh, I, I really push the limits of it. But what's nice about it is that you can use XLR as well as USB at the same time. So when I'm recording, I actually use the XLR to run to a hardware recorder that, that I'm then getting a quality track from. And then I use the USB just to go into my laptop and then connect through Skype or whatever I'm doing to connect to my remote people. So it's nice. It's essentially a split right within the microphone, which is phenomenal for on the road travel. I've never thought of using both connections at the same time. Yeah. It's been really helpful for me that we do it all the time on the road. Really? That is cool. I will have to try that. We've got the, uh, the ISTE conference coming up, which is the, uh, country's largest educational technology festival like 20,000 educators are coming and I always bring my booth and stuff like that I will definitely try that because that's probably going to save me some uh save me some packing on all of that stuff (laughs) yeah so if you're a mobile podcaster on the road or getting interviews back and forth or moving your studio from classroom to classroom that's probably pretty good uh the USB is is really good for connecting over the internet or for a backup and I also have uh, Zoom H5, which is a portable digital recorder that you can plug in via XLR as well as the USB. So that's really good. And the USB, like you said, can go into mobile devices. I've used mine into an Android phone before. I've used it into my iPhone and iPad before, and that all works great. Now, I know you didn't know this, but my daughter is actually graduating in December to be an elementary education teacher. So just this past semester, she was doing her student teaching and she had to do an in-class video for a science project. 
So what she did is she took her iPhone, she took some video with that. We have a 1080 camcorder, you know, really cheap 1080 camcorder that she went in and took that so she could get a couple of shots and told her some quick video stuff. She, she took that. She did not take any microphones. She just used the microphone that was in the camcorder or the iPhone. I did end up in post-production helping her use noise reduction and anti-deverb, basically. I was going to say anti-reverb, but deverb in there. And it turned out to be an, a great little video project. I know Steven saw it as well. So using the stuff that you have at hand is great. Now, if I was going to do an actual podcast with older kids, like with uh, high school age kids or something like that, maybe even college, what I would do is to start out with, I would get the Behringer XM 1800S, a couple three packs of that. And I would consider investing into a Zoom H6 with the external um, capsule on top that you could add a couple XLRs. And that way you could have six different individuals or groups of people that were actually recorded into dynamic microphones. So that would be my cheap setup for like an older real style, what we would call professional podcast. That's how I would go ahead and do it. And you would get some great audio through that, at least better audio than you would through a snowball. Now, it, if that's all you got, you, you got 50 bucks for a snowball, you know, go for that. Uh, but I think if you're going to do that, like a cell phone recording, the, the microphone on the iPhone or most Android phones is probably going to be good enough to do what you need to do. And if you want to expand from that, then go ahead and invest in some more professional style gear. My, my suggestion for anybody out there that's trying to do this on a budget is buy the colored microphones. I think if you buy the purple or the pink versions of the Snowball and the Yeti, they're about 20 bucks cheaper for some reason. As oh, long wow. as they're sparkly. <laughs> absolutely and, and i totally agree like and, and I, I say this to new podcast like do episode zero do episode zero part two do episode zero part three mm-hmm. figure out how your equipment works figure out how you're going to do these different shows put things together um you know i know a lot of people just want to put that first episode out right away and i'm like just figure out what you're doing first before you go public with things absolutely I, and i usually say you know why are you doing this who are you and what do you hope your audience gets from your show? That's episode one. Like that's, that's always the first high. Mm-hmm. This is my introduction to, to doing all of this stuff. The problem with podcasting I find is that you never really know how to find a show unless you go and search for it, which brings us up to websites. I'm a WordPress guy. I've been using WordPress now for seven years on TeacherCast. Um, I couldn't imagine doing a show without it your thoughts on websites. Uh, I'm also a WordPress person myself. Uh, I like WordPress with that said. Uh, I also grew up um, more in the website of things before I got into podcasting. So I'm a little bit more familiar with that. So while I am a, a person that really advocates some benefits to having your own dedicated website, I also am very quickly to recommend people just stay with their podcast provider. So if you're gonna do a podcast, you gotta find a way to host that audio file somewhere. A lot of the big players that people sign up for, like Libsyn and Podbean, they will give you the option of having a fairly basic website. And I think for somebody who's starting out, that might be the better way to go because there's no back 
and maintenance that you're doing with WordPress. There's only one place that you're maintaining and it's, it's a lot simpler to set up and get going. So that's one of the reasons why, even though I am a big advocate of WordPress, I am often very quick to say, just start, start with your provider. But yeah. what I always tell people to do though, is to get a domain, a .com, a .ca, whatever it is. See, I had to throw .ca in there since I'm Canadian, right? Uh, but get one of those just so that what you can do is have one central location that you can always direct people to that if you end up switching and eventually you get a WordPress backend, you can redirect that over there. So everybody knows like with us, it's gonnageek.com. It doesn't matter where gonnageek.com goes. Everybody will always end up to where we're at because we say go to gonnageek.com. Yeah, we, we've been using WordPress, like I said, for seven years with all of this stuff. Um, last, about, I guess it'd be eight or nine months ago, um, we switched from our old hosting company over to podcast websites. And it's been, you know, they're fantastic out there, podcast websites. It's, we're all WordPress-based, and they give you website and audio hosting for like, and i'm saving myself hundreds of dollars a month that's awesome stuff like that yeah i i i don't remember exactly i think my plan's like 80 bucks a month or something like that but that literally like i was paying 55 dollars for lipson plus bluehost plus Securi <laughs> for my security plus 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 yeah all of that cash is go is I, i'm not spending any of that money and podcast websites is awesome um, teachercast.net slash PW for more information on all of that stuff. Where are you guys? I mean, pl plug your own stuff here. Like, where are you guys hosted? What do you guys recommend out there? I put all my shows on my MySpace page. <laughs> really? No. What, what I do is... Is that, that MySpace.AOL.com? Yeah, that's right. .net. <laughs> so I was very lucky from the beginning. First of all, my co-host, who had been podcasting since 2006, recommended that I go with Libsyn, which was great because I had that introductory website. And I was honestly scared to death of WordPress. I'm not scared to death of it anymore, but it is a lot of maintenance. So I was very lucky again to fall into Steven's lap and I hugged him really tightly and he let me use his gonnageek.com website. So to, to have at my shows. That's a Canadian thing. Uh, absolutely. It's I, actually a requirement for coming onto the network. That's, yeah. a, that's a requirement. <laughs> so I do leverage Steven's ability to control a website, which is great. If you're doing it by yourself, if you want to minimize the pain that goes into the back end, you go with somebody like if you can be part of a network, go be part of a network, but you have to be careful about that too. We can might talk about that later or use like Steven said, the podcast host provided website as well. And like you said, that can get expensive over time, the more shows that you have. So what we usually do, Stephen actually turned me on to this, is if you are considering web hosting, go to web, is it webhostingtalk.com, the forums over there, Stephen? Yes. Yeah, webhostingtalk.com. And then you can find what are reliable hosts, what hosts can actually get um, uh, or enable you to host your podcast there and so on and so forth. So all of that information, by the way, can be found at betterpodcasting.com, episode 65. So that's betterpodcasting.com slash 65. Well, I'll even add on to that. I, I, I do a lot of web design for clients and stuff like that. And, and I was never a big fan of wordpress.com until recently they started um, allowing their business class uh, users um, the ability to install their own themes and install their own plugins. 
Right. So if anybody's interested in doing something like that, and I do not have an affiliate link for this at all, although I should, <laughs> $25 a month gets you businessclasswordpress.com. You can install anything you want. You can build anything you want. I've, my last three clients have been on that. I don't have to worry about hosting, support, I mean, anything. It's It's been amazing. And even if you put uh, Lipson on top of that for 15 bucks or whatever their minimal plan is, it's not expensive these days to create your own brand. Yeah. One thing that I, I do like to point out, though, is that when people are starting out, they often uh, underestimate how much time that does take to maintain a website, which is why for someone like a teacher who's who's starting a site, I think really your best bet is just to start with with your media providers basic service just because it's so much less steps it's it's yeah. so much more straightforward and generally if you pick a reputable reputable provider like podbean or libsyn uh, you end up finding that it just works you know you're not running into outages because they limit what you can do so it's harder for you to break it from a podcast hosting perspective while we actually host better podcasting on Libsyn, I will say that uh, one of our our um, members over on the Gunna Geek Network, Chris Farrell, he is a VP over there. He uses Podbean and he's used them for a very, very long time. And uh, he's had really good success. Back in the early days, they got a bit of a bad name because they had some, some back-end server problems. But then for the last few years, they've been fairly solid overall. And they're a good bang for the buck. Um, they're a little bit better in price-wise than Libsyn. But Podbean and Libsyn are, are definitely the two that I recommend the most. And if you are a teacher out there and you're looking, you know, again, we're gonna we're talking back and forth between classroom and and you know real podcasting kinds of I, should, I, I shouldn't have said real podcasting, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean out there. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in look. If you're just playing with audio and video, get a Google site, right? Like get a Weebly, get an EduBlogs, get a something like that that's out there. But you know, I do a lot of work even in my own school district. Gra grab a nice video file, make a screencast using Screencastify or Screencast-O-Matic or whatever you want to use out there, and and just put stuff onto your Google site. I mean, if iTunes is not for you because you're just creating instructional videos, fast forward a few minutes on this on this show until we get <laughs> to the good stuff here. Um, the question that I have to ask you guys, and this is a question that comes to me a lot of my workshops, why can't I, and again, I'm going to bring this up. I'm a fourth grade teacher. Why can't I just put my audio in Dropbox or in Google Drive or... Because you can, right? Like if you're only downloading one or two episodes and you're you're doing it for grandma, you can put your audio in Dropbox using the PowerPress plugin. You can get your feed started. And and I know my answer. I want to get your answer for that. Because really, you can do that. It's not really if you should or shouldn't. But what's your answer to that stuff? Talking to a teacher here. Well, if I was talking to a teacher, I would say, what are your expectations? Because if your expectations are you're only going to get 20 to 50 downloads, you know, parents or grandma or something like that, then it, you could do really anything. But if you want to have a long-term sustained show that's out there for the public consumption worldwide, because podcasts are worldwide, then I would go ahead and I would get on a, a, a media host or host your own show through a dedicated website. A great way to do this that makes it available to everybody is through YouTube, right? So you use some sort of audio video editor. Like if you're on the Mac OS system, you're talking about iMovie or Final Cut. If you're on the Windows versions, we are really partial to Movie Studio between Steven and I. 
movie studio 15 platinum i believe we were both on and that is a good way to just put either a static picture or many pictures behind your audio upload that to youtube and make it available on youtube the one caveat i would say about making it available on youtube is you have to make sure there's no copyrighted material on there otherwise you might get a strike against your channel so if you're playing the average radio songs on as background or as your intro outro you're going to get hit with that so that was the one caution of putting stuff on youtube we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get into doing a co-host because I, I mean i've I'll, I'll save the story but we, we've had situations here where our co-host decides to play some music in the background and well that's a strike against your channel sometimes with all that yeah but i know you've got a, I, i'm looking in the show notes here you must have a good co-host story here stargate so <laughs> yes yes um, i do Graphics, right? I, I, I was talking about this yesterday at the workshop. I fell in love with Canva because I think it's easy. It's wonderful. It's actually one of the things that I actually pay for um, because of all, the, all the, the volume and stuff that I do. But as a teacher, um, there was a great video that came out this week, in fact, from Jamie Keats over at Teachers Tech on making your graphics using Google Slides or Google Drawings. And, and that's a, certainly another option to go. Um, what's your thoughts on graphics and what do you guys use? Okay. So I will admit that I, I build all mine generally from scratch, right? It's something that I tinkered with graphics design for a while. So that's something that I do a long way. Now, with that said, um, there's a lot of people who I, I know that sometimes teacher teachers don't have access to things like the Adobe creative suite and whatnot. There's a piece of software that I discovered last year that does a large amount of what Adobe Photoshop does. So if you've got a little bit of experience in that, but you just can't afford the Adobe Photoshop model, Affinity Photo, A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y Photo, I converted over to that last year. And yes, there are some features in there because it's still, generally speaking, relatively new that Photoshop have that Affinity Photo doesn't. But I've been using it as a Photoshop substitute for about a year now, and it's done everything that I've needed to do with a couple of occasional frustrations. But overall, it's a really powerful piece of software, and it's a lot more affordable than the Adobe Suite. I will check that out. I, I was I was thinking you were going to say another one of my favorites, which is Pixelmator. I okay. On the Mac, that's fifty bucks, something like that. But but I, I used that one for years before I got into Canva. Uh, SP, what do you use? I use Steven or I use PowerPoint. <laughs> you use PowerPoint. Tell yeah. me about this. Cause I, I work with a company that also uses PowerPoint a lot. And right. so you can build, it's very difficult and I wouldn't recommend it, but you can build reasonable graphics in PowerPoint. If you're just doing simple stuff, you can't do anything immensely. As a matter of fact, I just took a drone photo class that said, eh, maybe you should be using what is Adobe lights or something. Lightroom. Lightroom. And, and I did get to play around with that a little bit, but this is something that honestly, as a, as a podcaster, if you're going to do it for a while, you should be comfortable either hiring somebody that is very competent and timely to do your graphics for you, or you should start to learn how to do it yourself and maybe go through some YouTube videos or take a class or two on it and, and really get comfortable with it because you will need new graphics all the time for your shows it's the header on different sites. Like if you have social media accounts, you're going to need different sizes and different shapes and different places. If you change up your podcast art per episode, which is something you can do, 
that is going to require going in and getting some photos or going ahead and creating the graphics yourself. So it is a part of podcasting and that goes back to the website stuff, right? If you're not comfortable with it, make sure that you have a way to get it done. And my recommendation would not to, to go to, into Fiverr and to use Fiverr as a source because you never know what sort of copyrighted material they're giving you. You never know if you can go back to them to get the work done again for another site. So if you're gonna pay somebody, you know, swap it out with a, your friend that's a graphic artist or actually go and pay for it because it is a big deal with podcasts. It's part of the branding and marketing for it. And if if you're just a little a teacher, well, I mean, odds are you might have a student that could do some work for you. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that brings up a topic I really wanted to hit on here, which is is paying for services. Now, obviously, if you're doing a website and somebody's doing your website, there's an expectation it's gonna take a couple of weeks for things. But if you record an episode, say tonight, and I have to then, what is the process? You call Steven and say, I just did a show. This is the topic. Can you make me a graphic? And then you say, how long does it take for you to make the graphic? And is there a 24-hour turnaround? I'm just one of those guys that I need to have the graphic yesterday. I don't have yeah. time to wait. Why am I outsourcing the or paying for what, what is your experience with, with asking Stephen or, or somebody else, I would say, to do your graphics? I mean, what do you give them? What's the expectation? Do you give them pictures and say, make it look nice? Like, what, what is your process here? Sometimes the timeline is years. With <laughs> and that's it's fair. That's fair. really what I try to do is I try to minimize what I'm doing and try to get stuff that's applicable to multiple different sources and, and things. I don't change my artwork per every episode. You don't have to do that. But yeah, uh, getting the source PNGs is always great. Like if you really do have a graphic artist to go in and do stuff, if you're paying for it, make sure that you pay the premium to get the original layered files and PSDs, the, the Photoshop files, yeah, PSDs. No. PSDs, or if you uh, have a, a friend do it, you know, make sure that they give you all those files versus just the JPEG, because you're going to need it down the road. Uh, podcast standards change all the time in the time period that I've been podcasting. You know, the podcast art on iTunes has gone from, I believe, 140 up to 3,000 pixels. Uh, so there is a difference in what is acceptable for standards. And if you don't meet those standards, sometimes your podcast can get booted from those particular destinations and if you are distributing your podcast to the main sites like itunes or apple podcasts excuse me apple that's really what we're supposed to call it now then you would have to need to stay within their standards which increase all the time because technology increases all the time that's one of those things when i'm working with with larger clients i'm asking them for a six thousand by six thousand graphic because at least I'll have it on file. You never yeah. know when they're going to change things or at a super high mega resolution retina display. You never know with those different things. Um, topic came up yesterday. When you're recording, audio, video. Personally, no matter if I'm, rec- if I'm exporting audio only or if I'm exporting audio and video, much like we're doing right now, I record video. If something happens, I can wave at the camera. It's an edit point. Um, I also edit all my stuff in Final Cut Pro. So I can see where the mistakes are. I can see where these different things are as opposed to being in an audacity or something like that, which is audio only, where if you've just got a big, huge audio file, 
you don't really know where those mistakes are until you kind of go back. What's what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you do a lot of video. Right? I do. I love video. Uh, video was my passion before podcasting. That's actually how I got into podcasting was I was trying to fill that video passion. Um, and it was sort of similar. But I'm a bit a big advocate for someone starting out to go audio only for a couple main reasons. Number one, it's a lot easier. Um, it's a lot more uh, straightforward. You lead less strong equipment, so less resources are needed to edit audio than video. It's faster, generally speaking, to export audio than it is video, and it's just a layer that's removed. So people starting out, I think that audio is a lot easier. The second reason why is because I'm also a big advocate for hardware recorders for your audio source. And the reason why I say that is because there are, they eliminate the problem that comes with just recording on your computer. And generally, if you're doing video, you are recording on your computer. So if your computer shuts down or restarts or Windows decides that it's going to do an app update partway, it might cause problems as, a part, as opposed to using a hardware, a physical device, which is just completely isolated. And so it's a lot easier to start out just with a hardware recorder recording your microphone. So generally, I recommend people start with audio. Uh, with that said, I do love video, but it, uh, I started out doing audio only of podcasts. Hmm, interesting. What do you think, SP? There's a couple of reasons that I tend towards audio in my shows right now versus video, even though we actually do both on all my shows right now. It's because the downloads or the consumption on audio far, far exceeds the video consumption of what I do. That is not the case for everybody. A lot of people have YouTube channels and podcasts and their YouTube channels videos do much, much better than the audio version of the podcast. But consider this, there are much, there's a lot, there are many more opportunities for an individual to consume an audio podcast. If it's not visually enabled, like you're giving a screen tutorial or something like that, yeah. people can listen to this show in the gym. They can listen to it when they're out on a run. They can listen to it while they're mowing the lawn. They can listen to it when they're driving across the country or on a plane. There are a lot of opportunities to listen to audio versus actually watch video, especially as you get older. Now, students, they have their screens with them all the time, but if you're at work at your desk, you're not necessarily gonna be able to watch video all the time. So audio is king as far as my content goes, for consumption, and I tend to lean that way. So we do have the big broadcast microphones in front of us, or at least good dynamic cardio microphones in front of our co-host as we record, because we want to get that good audio out. And then video, it's, it's kind of a nicety. Steven loves it and does some phenomenal production on Guinea Geek and Better Podcasting. We actually discussed for him to do production on a couple of other shows, and he just didn't have the uh, not the bandwidth but the data on his plan to have that much video coming back and forth all the time for him so Plus then i'd have to get that spousal sign off too right yeah i, I could pay her off it's no big deal so <laughs> so yeah it audio is much easier as steven alluded to with the equipment with the cost and the consumption is there's more opportunities for it now if you're doing like i said a visually astute show Maybe a YouTube channel would be better for you, but most of the stuff that we do, audio is king. There's one other thing that I'd like to just quickly throw in there as well is the fact that audio is more forgivable in editing. And what I mean by that is if I'm doing a video show and I go and I say, 
and I go and I say, and I, I do that, I can go and I can edit that out. I can edit that out quite seamlessly because I, I said the same thing twice, as opposed to a video where I'd either have to have a second shot that I can switch to or just accept that it's going to be choppy. So audio is much more forgivable to edit. And, and, and I love that you said that. And for that reason, I will always, always, always endorse and love using Wirecast. <laughs> even right now you guys are only seeing me but every time i go to scratch my nose or put my head up what you guys aren't seeing as i'm switching the camera angle so it's only on you and not on me and Perfect. that's exactly what you just said like and that's how like i i can sit here and do an hour-long show and edit it in 10 minutes like my, my the game that i play here is can i actually have the whole show edited in final cut before i say goodbye to my guest <laughs> because, because I'm right. Cause you're editing it on the fly. I mean, all these different things that you're working on here, but, but as, as you guys mentioned for new podcasters, stick to audio, right? Like just stick to audio, keep it simple using, use exactly what you're looking for. Um, budget wise. And, and let's talk about this from both the classroom teacher and, and from the, the, the let's build your own kind of stuff. Classroom teacher, we talked about get a snowball mic, use the use the iPhone, pad, Chromebook, whatever you're using. Um, you can even go free on this. The thing that I always recommend is a Chrome extension called Simple Audio Recorder. Um, or if it's if you're listening to this particular show next year and you're on an Apple, they just announced that the Voice Memos app is now iCloud going to be iCloud based. So why not use the Voice Memos app to record? Yeah. Notice they didn't. I, okay, I'll stop here, but they didn't <laughs> say that. I was waiting for them to say, now you can make a podcast on your phone and it shows up, er, Apple. Anyway, but you don't <laughs> need to, I'm waiting for the geek stuff by the end, guys. But you you don't need to spend money to do quality audio recording, right? Your earbuds, a Chromebook, free Chrome extension, you're done. Well, there's a difference between quality, quality audio and listenable audio. So all you really need is listenable audio. If you're going for quality audio, you do need some gear for that. but if you're doing a podcast with your kids at whatever age that they are, all you all you need is listenable and that's fine. And, and you're right. Do the earbuds or whatever, by the way, the FaceTime, I guess is now up to 32 people. So you could have a whole classroom on FaceTime if everybody had an iOS device. So that's something that could be done in the future. I don't know if there's a record capability with that or not, but uh and it won't be multi-track, so you couldn't take people out. So, I mean, that's a whole complexity in thing. But if you're just doing something for fun in in the classroom, you're trying to get the kids to remember something, then just get it listenable, and that's all mm -hmm. you need. While we're talking about the budget, one of the easiest ways that you can kind of skirt the budget if you are having multiple people connect from different locations is to use Google Hangouts on air because Google Hangouts on air, uh, you could everybody just gets a link that they just connect to on their computer and then whatever they've got hooked up, if they've got a webcam mic, if they've got a, a better mic, then Hangouts on air will automatically record that. Now, I guess that's a video, but there's tools that are free out there that you can convert that over to audio. So um, absolutely, that's just a simple way to skirt that budget. There's a lot of easy ways to skirt that budget. The one thing that you can't skirt, however, is something that you guys actually added to the show notes, integrity. Who, who, who added that one? Yeah, that was me. It, it was something that I brought up in our 50th episode, which was my golden rules of hobby podcasting. And that was one that I could not 
leave out. I needed to have it in there. So as you're podcasting, make sure that you maintain your integrity. It doesn't really cost you anything, but make sure that you're not selling out. Make sure that you're not um, messing with your audience. You're treating your audience with fairness and you're treating their time with fairness. That's a big thing, right? Make sure you're, you're not wasting your audience's time, whoever that audience is whether it's the family, mom, pop, and grandma and grandpa, or whether that's the worldwide audience, you have to be conscious of their time. If you have 100 downloads to your show and you have an hour-long show, if you cut out one minute, you're saving 100 minutes worldwide. You know, that's, that's a big deal, right? It does add up. And I get that from different TV producers that actually show their show to millions of people and they say well if i screw up an episode i have just wasted like five million hours of human life you know that's <laughs> something that you don't want to do so be conscious of that and then just make sure that you can look yourself in the mirror after you're done with an episode and that you've released it and that you can go on into the future you don't want to cut your podcasting career short just because you've lied to somebody along the way, or you've mistreated a guest along the way, or you've misrepresented what you're doing along the way. That is, that is some really good advice on that. And, 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 you know, you don't think about it that way sometimes. And, and, you know, even you guys, before we started the show asked, well, how long is this going to be? And my answer is, we'll just go until the conversation kind of goes right. And, and it's better than saying to a guest, it's an hour show. And you realize 10 minutes into the episode, your guest is not Mr. Or Mrs. Personality. And <laughs> if you cut it down to a 50 minute show, but you told him it was an hour. Now you've got this. Well, why did we stop early? There's a lot of things in there. That's, that's interesting. I will definitely put that in there. Do you have any uh, um, thoughts? And I'm asking this for my, uh, for my co-host. Do you have any thoughts on using puppets in podcasting? <laughs> puppets in podcasting. Uh, yeah, if it's an audio show, audio only, why would you use puppets? Uh, because. <laughs> okay, so I have to have you guys come back sometime when I have Sam on and his, 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 his gaggle of puppets. Um, we, we, we do a show where our, our people out there listening know our good friend, Dr. Sam Patterson. He has the edu puppets and he's got a, 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 wild bunch and sometimes we have them on and sometimes we don't um but yeah good good conversations about <laughs> that stuff now you had mentioned your audience um the again questions that i got asked yesterday when should i start obsessing about my download statistics <laughs> or my my views or you know, I just started a podcast. Which analytics app should I use? <laughs> Before we get into the the really geeky stuff on stats, we've mentioned it several times, so I just want to comment on it. You said you were doing a seminar or a conference or a classroom session on podcasting. I've actually had the opportunity to do that multiple times over the last few years, and it's amazing once you get into a room with a bunch of people that are interested in podcasting from a variety of different uh, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. It's great. The conversation that goes back and forth and the need to learn about this mystical art of podcasting really comes through with that. So it's really great. If you listener watcher to this video, to this audio, want to know more about podcasting, you know, find a conference in your area in something that you're interested in. Odds are they will have some sort of podcasting track or session. Make sure that you make it to that. And then you connect with different people in your area that are interested in podcasting. So just that's a little side note that I re am really yeah. passionate about. Matter of fact, Stephen just released a video of us at Gen Con last year on our YouTube channel 
we finally got around to releasing that. So we do tape them and put them out earlier. So did you say gem con? Are you doing a a conference on, on gem, the cartoon? (laughs) <laughs> no, Gen Con. That's the annual gaming convention in Indianapolis. Got it. And it was a big one. It was the 50th last year. So we Sweet. were fortunate enough to get a couple of panels there. Yeah. Okay. Now back to your original question of downloads and statistics. Well, that's an interesting one because if you're really interested in counting them, I mean, if you're really interested in finding out how many people are listening, you got to go with somebody that's IAB got podcast download guidelines 2.0 algorithm compliance but there's no com- nobody's actually been certified for compliance yet but so, so you, yeah. talk, you talk to mike i've talked to a lot of people yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. yeah no i i agree i think that when you're looking at stats uh it's important to look right now more than ever you should be looking and asking somebody who you're hosting with whether or not they are iab compliant or gearing towards that because that's essentially the certification that the industry is adopting for statistics and the reason why it's important is because it's going to give you the most accurate to the current specification as you can get if you go with somebody else who counts double downloads and things like that then you're kind of giving yourself false information now i actually say don't pour over your stats look at the trends look at the bigger picture so you should be looking how is this episode comparing to last week how is it looking in the overall picture don't go there and say oh i got only one download today you should just be looking if if you're moving the needle at all because if you're sitting there counting individual downloads i think that that's where you start stressing unnecessarily because for all you know maybe you released an episode and forgot that it's a major holiday somewhere else in the world and that's why your listenings are down because everybody else has that day off and they're they're out hanging out with their kids uh or something like that so don't look per like count the individual beans look at the big picture so i would actually count if you're doing for fun if you're doing it for a hobby if this is your passion i would say whatever you your goal is going into the podcast you should be achieving that somehow that actually should be your metric but for the large majority of people that actually release a podcast what you're really craving for is some sort of feedback or community involvement yes so i would gauge it on how much feedback i've received what's the action on my social media accounts how many emails or voicemails have my podcast received how many comments on youtube that sort of thing is how i would engage how my podcast would be doing or my show would be doing over time but if you're just simply doing it for fun like you're releasing it for your classroom like the majority of people I think that are listening to this is just make sure it's a good quality product that people can listen to or watch and get something out of and then not waste time in their day. And I think that's really what you should be striving for. Now, if you want to monetize, if you're going in to try to sell a service or something like that, then you need to worry about the statistics. You know, I, I always go back to, I don't know who was the original one for this, but I always credit it to, to Dave Jackson, which is if you're doing a niche, if you're doing the left-handed smoke shifters podcast, and you have eight downloads, but you know that worldwide there's only 10 people who are certified in left-handed smoke shifters, then you've got 80% of the population listening <laughs> to your show. Absolutely. I'll take that any day, right? So I'll take, yeah. those, I'll take those eight out of 10 any day. 
And while we're talking about sort of honing in on your niche, one thing that I think a lot of people who get into podcasting where they go wrong is they get into podcasting. And what I mean by that is they're like, I want to grow my audience. So I'm going to go, I'm going to attend all of these podcasting conventions. Well, that's not your audience. That's great. If you want to connect with other podcasters and you want to get to know sort of uh, what other people that are making podcasts are doing. If I go and I want to grow my audience, I should instead be attending and spending my time somewhere that surrounds my topic. Like if I'm a gaming podcast, I should be going to that Gen Con instead of going to a, a different like um, podcast. Oh, I can't remember podcast the name. Podcast movement. Podcast, podcast movement because my podcast, I'm going to have a better chance of connecting with potential listeners at a gaming convention. And, it, you know, the way that I always relate this to people is like, let's say that all of a sudden you go, I want to start doing some some woodworking and I, I, maybe I want to go and build a deck. But wait, I know nothing about tools. I'm going to go and and check out some form of information on different tool use to learn how to use the tools. That's not going to teach me how to build that deck. That's just going to teach me how to use tools, which is what podcasting conventions are, is they're helping you with the actual podcast process. They're not helping you grow your specific audience. That's actually a really good analogy about all that stuff, because I, I find that a lot of people who want to learn more about podcasting do go to the podcast conventions, podcast movement, you know, all, all those podcast, different things. Yeah, podcast yeah. is another one. We have one called MapCon here, which our good friend Joe Pardo does. Um, but finding out where to actually go, I mean, I find sometimes I learn more about podcasting by going to the educational stuff because it, that, that is my audience. What do you like? What do you listen to? You know, even yesterday, I started off by saying, you know, why are you here? There's 200 people at this conference. Six people showed up for my session. My first answer, my first question is, why this one? What do you find interesting? And you find out that people just want to know about this. I mean, I had somebody who was in this session who was doing her doctorate on digital media in the classroom, and she wanted me to, to spew a ton of statistics about podcasting. Now, unfortunately, today is when TechCrunch put out all the podcasting numbers. But <laughs> but like people are curious about all of that stuff. And yeah, I, I totally, uh, uh, you know, go, go where your audience is, right? Like, because the people at Podcast Movement are not going to subscribe to your show. Maybe they will, but, you know, you want to go to that left-handed smoke shifter conference and get those people to sign up for your show and get, get, get you guys to know where it is. <laughs> so switching topics here to the one that I, I kind of see where you have here. And, and I, I don't know who wrote this, but I definitely want to have whoever said it, give the answer. <laughs> um, we are about 180 episodes into one of our shows called the tech educator show. It's a round table show. We've got five co-hosts. We've been doing it for six or seven years. What are your thoughts on working with co-hosts? How do you, how do you, how do you find a good co-host? How do you keep a good co-host? How do you delegate a co good co-host? And the one, and this is my personal question, how do you make sure that both you and your co-host are equally as invested into the show as should be? I love podcasting with co-hosts. Uh, I like it way better than trying to do a solo show. You've got somebody to bounce off of. You could not only on the podcast recording, but also with the creative process, you know, trying to do a solo podcast about podcasting would be very tough with better podcasting. SP and I are able to throw that ball back and forth all the time with developing topic ideas with developing show notes and going through the whole process. So co-hosts 
offer a big relief. Now, finding a co-host can be tough. With something like Bear Podcasting, we were fortunate enough. SP and I met each other through the Gunna Geek Network. He came into the Gunna Geek Network, and then I was talking with him a lot. We quickly found our similar passions, and we both discovered that we wanted to do uh, a podcast about podcasting. I think technically I pitched it first, but uh, you know, we were both planning on trying to do that. And so yeah, we, we just naturally were able to connect on this. And it took us a lo- about 11 months to, to get it all developed and everything. But that's how we found each other was just through a relationship that was already existing. Now, on the flip side, I used to do a comic book podcast called The Fanboy Buzz. And that was a different situation. We actually had a couple uh, hosts exit at one point, And we knew that we wanted to keep going and fill those seats. So what we did was we just started to bring guests on and sort of put an open call. Hey, are you interested? And we brought people in and we cycled them in each episode as a guest. And then some people we thought, okay, that really worked really well. And we brought them back and we did that again. And eventually we kind of got the sense of some people that would mesh really well. And so we brought them on and that's when we ended up uh, bringing them on permanently. Now I know uh, that guesting process, SP's had a bit of experience with that on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yeah, first of all, I took over Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D coming at it from a guesting perspective the original people that started the podcast were just going to end it and i was like don't end it i'll take it over so I ended up getting the keys of the kingdom with that but then i had to have some hosts that were coming on board and i was talking to several people about starting a podcast at that time about the sci-fi show or at least it was on sci-fi in the united states continuum so i had a couple of people that i was already talking to turns out that a couple of them were really big marvel fans to begin with so i'm like okay come on board So over time, though, we've had a little bit of a host flip over. And whenever that occurs, we've looked at the people that have come on and they have been guests on the show. And we really find out who's been really good to work with and fits into the overall aspect of our personalities of the show that sort of thing. And we've been able to do that. It has also been the case over on Starling Tribune as well. I did see if you're looking for a co-host out of nowhere, you know, I did, I have seen recently casting calls over on the Reddit uh, subreddits that are podcasting related. So podcasting subreddit podcast subreddit, there's actually been casting calls largely lately, just in the last couple of weeks, it's been, we want a female or an all female podcast. So they're putting the call out there for that, which I think is great, by the way, the one caveat that i will say about that we actually and i won't say the name of the podcast but we know of a podcast that's on the network and they came together through one of those forum casting calls years and years ago and that relationship fell out over time because one party wasn't as committed as the others so before i i get into um well i'll just jump right into it so if you plan to monetize at any point in time Make sure you get some sort of agreement done in writing an email. It doesn't necessarily have to be a contract, but an email which says who's going to be responsible for paying what and who's going to be responsible for what activities and then what is the distribution of the funding going to be. That's kind of important because I've seen podcasts break up over that over time. But if you are just looking at it for uh, some buddies getting together for a passion Make sure you understand who's really going to be responsible for what. Because if you do a live video show like I do on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Sterling Tribune, there's a lot of facets that goes into that. 
there's a lot of research that needs to be done on the specific topic. There's show notes that need to be written. The, as you well know, since you do live podcasts, there's a lot to get ready just to stream a live video podcast, let alone record it and then edit it afterwards. And then there's a whole promotion aspect, the interfacing with social media. So there's different jobs that you can give different co-hosts. And I'm like Steven, I love podcasting with co-hosts. I've, I've flirted with doing a solo show and it's just not the same. It, you can't keep it going as well as you can with co-hosts. With equally motivated co-hosts, that's what you really need to get to. And sometimes you have to go through some turnover before you finally get to some co-hosts that you can work with long-term. Any good stories about working with Steven? I fired him twice. <laughs> yeah, I fired him twice. twice. And that is true. It's a true story. Now, Seriously. Now it's a joke, but uh, we'll go with yes. We'll go with yes. Uh, you know, it. We've been fortunate enough that we haven't had to do that. Um, but if you find the right host, a lot of times I found that people, there's a natural end for those people who aren't as engaged. Like they'll, they'll end up at one point just saying, yeah, you know what? I, it's just not for me or I've got other things I want to do. And they withdraw themselves, which is a lot easier. And I've had that happen uh, quite a bit over the years. In fact, I actually had uh, SP came onto the geek.com show. Uh, he wasn't there from the beginning. We had somebody else who wanted to start doing some other podcasts. And so they had to step back. They had some personal stuff going on as well. And that was uh, SP had been a guest. And so he was able to come in. So unfortunately, we can't always have that. That's not something that we all get lucky enough to have that situation. So I agree with SP. Uh, if you are getting into anything, you should have some form of writing. Now you've been saying something over the last a little bit here, and I want to make sure people understand how this whole thing works. If you go to gunnageek.com slash about, you guys have some guidelines for anybody who's interested in submitting a podcast to you guys. How does that process work? And what kind of shows are you looking for? We look for the highest bid. So dollar figure wise, dollar people figure. should bribe us. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Um, what it is is actually uh, because the guinea network is we're all hobbyists. So we all do it for the love of podcasting. So we actually have a panel of people who, uh, yes, I've picked them uh, based off of their experience and sort of the feedback that they've given and they will be part of the review process. So somebody goes to guineageek.com slash about or guineageek.com slash join. It doesn't matter. And they submit their information for their podcast. And then we actually take a look at it and there's certain members from that review panel that will review it and give feedback. The ultimate decision does come to me as the owner of gunageek.com, but I, I value that feedback so much. It's, it's, everybody is always right on point and we look and make a decision whether we think it would fit with the network or not. And sometimes we've actually had one or two quality podcasts which have applied, but we just thought it's not the right fit for everything else on the network. And so we've had to reject them. Yes, we've had our fair share of things that we've also thought is not the greatest podcast. And so we've, we've rejected off of that. But uh, we take a look at every applicant that comes in because we want to grow the network to be the best it can be. We don't want to just go in it except everybody willy-nilly. Guys, first of all, I want to say thank you. We've gone through a ton of topics here as far as how to create, how to write, how to publish, how to promote, how to, how to do all these things. Um, you got a few more minutes here that we can kind of geek out on a few topics? Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to ask, because we, we did this a little early before we hit the record button here, but today was a great day for the geek, for the nerd, for the film buff. Uh, today was the day we saw the first glimpse of a Michael Bay free transformers trailer um have wow. you seen have you seen the bumblebee trailer i have what do you think I have. yep 
It looks like it's it's promising. I got to say, it looks fun, which is nice. Uh, the Michael Bay Transformers, there is always this serious nature right within the trailers, and uh, this looks like it's going to be fun, and that's what I want. It also looks like you can see the action without having a, a flip cut like half a second into something so you don't actually know what's going on with the action see i so, always brought my camcorder into the theater and then played it back later on like 0.5 speed so i could actually see what was going on because it was just all blur right so the fcc will be to your house pretty soon <laughs> and they're going to confiscate all your podcasting gear because of that does the fcc rule in canada no no, no. it doesn't there's a reciprocating agreement though go ahead <laughs> That would be, be FCC.ca. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't, I don't know what that site is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to endorse that site. <laughs> no, no. I'll ask another question that popped up the other day. Um, in a in a in a cage match, Thanos or Darth Vader? Thanos, ten out of ten. Snap, snap over the lightsaber. Well, even without the snap, right? We saw how violent. Thanos was right. Than- Thanos, there's there's no chance Darth Vader's gonna win that one. You like know, Darth, I would, I would say even the Hulk could take Darth Vader. The problem with Darth Vader is, is he's basically cyborg, so you just gotta get somebody strong to rip off his arms and he's done. <laughs> but he's got force choke. But he's got. Can he do that without an arm though? Oh, can you do that without an arm? I don't know. Yoda yeah. did. Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I still say that that he's he's dead before. Before it ever happens, I think Thanos is winning, especially with the snap factor. All right. Well, so uh, while we're on the topic, what do you think about it? I- Avengers of Infinity War. I, I assume uh, you guys have discussed it on the show. So, so talk-, talk to us a little bit about your Marvel Universe here. So fun fact, on the GuineaGeek.com show, we actually generally stay away from the big movies because we have so many other network members that do that it, it seems a little redundant for us to go and talk about it on the, the flagship show. So we, we let everybody else have that. But. Uh, I thought it was a good movie myself overall. I think that there's a lot of things that I will like better when the second part is out, but it, it met the expectations that I had, which was um, the first of a two part movie. So I didn't expect everything to be wrapped up. Uh, There was a couple of problems that I had with it, but overall I enjoyed it. What were some of the problems? Uh, I thought that there was a bit of a pacing misalignment in a couple of spots where it just all of a sudden took a, a very different tone. Um, so I thought I thought that the pacing was not as fluid as I would have liked. Okay. SP, what do you SP, think? SP's got lots to say on it, by the way. Yeah, 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 I hear it. I mean, we had a whole two-hour podcast on it on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode number 241, but I... I as far as a, a movie, it was decent. My issue was because I'm so ingrained in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, hashtag it's all connected. By the way, go to hashtag it's all connected.com. You get a special treat if you spell out the word hashtag. So I have had an issue because after the movie came out, I was like, how are they going to do the next year? Because you had all sorts of Netflix Marvel series coming out at the time that the movie came out. You didn't know if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to get renewed or not. It did, but they they skirted the whole issue by going into the summer of 2019 versus going through the regular season next year. And I I think that what is going on wasn't extremely well planned throughout the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's what my major issue was. Matter of fact, I went into Deadpool 2 and I immensely enjoyed that. I laughed my butt off during that. And it was much more of an enjoyable movie for me than Avengers Infinity War. Is my opinion golden? Is my opinion 
the one and only opinion is is my opinion right no but it's right for me so that that's what makes talking about movies great because you'll like something more than somebody else and you can get their joy out of a certain thing so i did hear a lot about how people enjoyed the avengers infinity war largely it was for people that were steeped in the comics from the infinity gauntlet infinity wars stuff like that they just love seeing the 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 on the screen and they love seeing the universe building they love seeing all the characters interact with each other and quite frankly it was well written and there was a lot of uh, great acting in it which i would assume with all the great actors in there so yeah but is it my favorite marvel movie ever no it is not by far i i didn't i came out of it with a sour um note in my mouth i sour taste in my mouth i i just i will i don't think i'll be watching it again that's just me though so so with disney moving towards clearly this female um hero kind of thing going on here that's been going on for the last little bit are we going to see avengers 4 featuring uh captain marvel yes. wasp and pepper Potts? uh i'm trying to remember so the russo brothers came out and they said who had died and who didn't i think pepper Potts was gone i think they came out and said that but don't don't quote me on that they did come out and say the, of the people that you did not see on the screen on the end they said who was gone and who was not after the snap and uh so go refer back but, to those but articles mean, but yeah but i mean come on like the spider-man did not die <laughs> no and that was my problem with it it's like of course this it, there's no meaning to this because yes. of course it's going to go away and that was another issue i had with it. that but, was the other issue that i had and was that they had it written to almost make you feel emotion about these deaths but the way that i say it is that i don't understand people who felt emotion about the deaths i understand the emotion about the events surrounding the deaths but the fact that people actually were were emotional about individual deaths i can't get it i can't get on board with that because it's like we literally see in this movie that anybody can be brought back you saw that with vision you saw that anything can be undone. So people, there's all sorts of people that subscribe to the theory that Loki's permanently dead. Vision spelled out that anybody can be brought back because that was pre-snap. So I think that absolutely at this point here, you can't care at all about any deaths, but the events, the writing surrounding the deaths was really good. But I didn't think that the actual, um, the way that they're trying to make people feel emotion about deaths, to me, that, that was nonsense. Yeah. Spider-Man's Doctor Who moment. I don't want to go with with uh, Iron Man. That was well done. I mean, I, I say it in joke, but it was really well done. So I, I did appreciate that scene. In a cage match, Optimus Prime or He-Man? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm a Transformers fan, so I'll go with Optimus Prime. Although, you know, he ends up dying and becoming Rodimus. So, yeah, I don't know. So do we get um, Shiva with, with He-Man? Hey, look! If you want her, because I, I think I, he does. She's, she's coming. To, she's coming to Netflix. Okay, because I think the two of them, the two of them together, will win. So there you go. Okay, so you have the princess of power and the most powerful man in the universe against Optimus. Yeah, absolutely. Optimus so. has the hugest heart, though. I mean, yeah, how can you go against that? Sorry, I said Shiva. I meant Shira. By the Shira. way, so sorry. My apologies. So. So as we go through here, let's just take a look here. Um, your thoughts on Han Solo. Was it a bust or was it coming down from, from the last Star Wars movie? Or is Disney just, just jamming this thing right in front of everybody and 
way too much Star Wars these days. Okay. I'll give my, my opinion here first because uh, I mentioned that I have a family. I have not had a chance to see it yet. So, you know, the, you know, the ending. Uh, I don't. I'm completely surprised by everything that's probably going to happen. No, I, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. So, <laughs> you, you know, that, that Chewbacca gets his haircut and he's like just this little, like, like, oh, uh, I, you didn't, I you thought the that, Falcon right? blew up. Oh, wow. I thought the whole thing blew up, the whole the Millennium Falcon. Well, the, the turns out that the Kessel Run actually involves Zabulba. Okay, and fair. <laughs> um, SP, save the conversation here. All right, so you're talking uh, grand strategic things here. Uh, first of all, you have it sandwiched in between some amazing movies, everything from Avengers Infinity War through Jurassic World and then back to Ant-Man and the Wasp later on. Disney is ruling the box office and they're kind of hurting themselves a little bit. Also, Han Solo was the, not the first, but the second non-main series movie that they've done, the one-off, if you will. I think they actually wanted to try to make a, a little prequel series out of it. But Rogue One, I think people came out of that like, okay, well, I see where this all started. But again, I could care less about Rogue One because it's not, really part of the main universe and you had no characters coming out of that that you could care about in the future and i think people were looking at that han solo like eh, i can watch this later on video uh you know my time is valuable it happened during memorial day weekend so it was actually nice for most of the country and people were out enjoying it in the united states i can't speak for canada because i think they still had their igloos up and i i think that you have a little bit of crowding now a couple of years ago, we did this great, and I don't remember what episode it was on, but we did a lot of great research into like the amount of movies that are out now in 20, at the time, I think it was 2016 versus like 1985. And it is amazing. Like there were 80 movies in 1985. There's like 1200 in 19 and 2018. So I, I think you're getting the diversity in choice. This is happening with TV ratings as well where you have TV, like uh, what used to be uh, a great rating on TV was like 12 to 20 million. Now, if you get like five to 7 million in your key demographic or, or your overall views, that is good now versus where it was before. And you have so many streaming opportunities like Lost in Space is on Netflix. The Expanse is coming to Netflix. You have Star Trek on CBS All Access, which I'll never see because of that. So there's just this diversity of availability of content out there and you have to pick and choose and people aren't choosing everything all the time. Well, it's time to make another decision here. Cage match, Dr. Strange or Gandalf? Mm. Two wizards. Gandalf the gray or Gandalf the white? We have to make a distinction. I'm going to go with this guy right here. This would be Gandalf the gray. Well, Gandalf the Grey is probably hopped up on his weed, so I'll give the <laughs> mental edge to Doctor Strange. You know, I gotta say that uh, just what we saw in Doctor Strange, the movie, the end, the way that he ended up winning, I think Doctor Strange, unfortunately, has been very undervalued in his power in the Marvel Universe, so your gut is to, to say that Doctor Strange would lose, but if you look at how Doctor Strange won that, I forget, they figured out how many years it was that he went through that cycle. I gotta say Doctor Strange, he's, he's got the stamina. Okay, I, I, I can dig that. Let's let's do one more, cause, just because I'm looking around the room here. We'll, we'll go Ragnarok or Unicron. <sighs> SBU, take that one. 
Wow. Um, I want to say Unicron because Unicron is just seems to be more powerful to me than Ragnarok, even though Ragnarok was, you know, the big deal, took down Asgard stuff. Yeah, but, uh, they both took yeah. down. Yeah, Unicron has wreaked more havoc in the universe, I think, than Ragnarok. <laughs> you know, l- let's go with Unicron because uh, we'll stick with Ragnarok uh, movie version, which we basically didn't see. So we'll go with that. The website is gunnageek.com. I want to say so, uh, so thank you to, to you guys. It's great to meet you. Uh, Stephen John Drew, Stargate Pioneer. Where can we go to find out more information? What do you want us to do? How do we subscribe? How do we, how do we reach out to you guys? Well, go to gunnageek.com for all of the amazing geeky content there. But if you're looking for specifically just podcast-related content, please check out betterpodcasting.com. That's the show that SP and I do. We do it on a weekly basis, and that's where we talk about podcasting. So if you're thinking about getting into a podcast, please check out betterpodcasting.com. Any last words of advice, SP, for anybody out there who is thinking about becoming a podcast or starting a podcast or maybe they have a co-host that they want to fire. If they want to fire a co-host, it's very easy. You just say you're fired. But if you are thinking about (laughs) podcasting, I would make sure it is something that you are passionate about and share that passion with other people. And people are going to listen to you because they're going to see that they're going to hear that passion coming through your microphone. I love it, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And I want to say thank you out there for taking a moment to make TeacherCast a part of your professional development network. This is Educational Podcasting Today. You can, of course, sign up for our brand new Facebook group over at educationalpodcasting.tips. I got a couple hundred people in there. It is a great conversation. Check it out today over at educationalpodcasting.tips. And, of course, you can find all the information out over on teachercast.net with what we do. On behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. 